Hello, you are welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel for yet another powerful, sobering, and inspiring word from God. Grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick Kaluluma from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. And then the last point we ended on, we looked at about, we looked at how angels respond to the word of God. When you are praying the word of God, you, act, you can provoke the angelic realm, and angels respond to the word of God. I was reading. I I sent a testimony yesterday. I don't know if some of you guys saw it in the establishment classes. I received the testimony, and in that testimony, somebody was sharing how um, their father had not been well, and it reached the point where he said goodbye to their family, and that was about seven weeks ago or something like that, and the person had a dream, and in the dream, I went to the house, went to the room where the father was, and laid hands on him. And then he recovered. And so in real life, the person uh, recovered from Now, what we can see from there is the ministry of angels. That's the ministry of angels. And sometimes the way the ministry of angels works is that you might think what if I change the topic? The way the ministry of angels works. Has anyone ever received a just I need to know how to pray for you? Just out of curiosity, whether in a dream, in real life, you are walking, and then boom, everything stopped. Okay. Take me to Acts chapter number 12. Let's from verse 1. Because, you know, I was about to go further. And then I realized I'm tickling a few feathers here. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hands to harass some from the church. By the way, the reason why I like to talk about these things is I've come to realize as a pastor that the things that you emphasize, you usually start to see. So even in your study of the word, the things that you emphasize, you probably start to see. Uh-huh. Verse 2. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Uh-huh. Verse 3. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. Let's continue. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers. That's a lot of soldiers. To keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Let's continue. Who kept in prison. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Next verse. When Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Uh-huh. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter outside and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Now remember the, the question I asked you last time when I was talking about the ministry of angels. Same question I'll ask today. Did that happen in the spiritual realm or in the physical? Because sometimes when we think about angelic beings, we think something can only happen in the spiritual realm. I'll ask again. Did that happen in the spiritual realm or in the physical? Let's continue. Then the angel says, gird yourself, tie yourself, and you know... Um, come on guys, you've shut me up. The angel tells Peter to gird himself and just go back and present himself. 
And then Peter thought he was in a vision. As far as he was concerned, it was just a vision. And then they reach a certain spot, and the angel says, you can go now. So he realizes it's real life. And so I want us to take me to the verse where he now stood at the Peter stands at the door, and he knocks. And a servant girl named Rhoda came to the door to open. But I want you to just see her reaction. So when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, so some of you here who believe you are overexcited, you're not the first one. So because of her gladness, she did not even open the gate. But she rang in and announced that Peter stood. Their reaction still bothers me. Notice. Uh-huh. But they say to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. You know the question I asked myself? How much interaction did these people have with these things that they were not even willing to go open the door for an angel? Like, like come on, it's just his angel. Breathe. It's interesting. And maybe time goes by, we'll go deeper into that topic. But you'll notice that sometimes in certain manifestations, you find the angel that serves someone might appear to somebody else in a form that looks like that person. I've, I've experienced that. I've seen it. I hope you're getting my point. Why people tell you you came to preach to them. I sent a book to someone in this church. I'm sure you know you've heard a testimony, but there's a part you've never heard. How I got to know her, her friend, uh, she was involved in a very bad accident, and so her friend texted me and said, I really want you to pray for my friend, because she's not well. She was involved in an accident. And I'd heard about it from a few other people, and I said, okay, I'll pray. I think I forgot, actually. The next day, the friend sent me another text. Hello, have you stayed praying? Today she's feeling worse. I said, okay. The very next day, the friend sent me another text. Uh, she just had a... Mo- she kept giving me updates. Every day. Somebody said, I need such friends. <laughs> Imagine, she kept giving me updates every day. Telling me what the doctors were saying. What injection they have given. How she reacted to the... I, I, I just said, okay, you know what, let me meet... Let, can I, like, give me the person's number? <laughs> And so I got their line and I said, Hi, I heard ABCD. And then I sent them, by then it was just an ebook, and I sent them the book, uh, Jesus the Healer, which I did. And after some time, I, we set up an appointment for me now to go meet her, because she was now going to be home. And I went to meet her, who I kept waiting for 30 minutes. Just when I was about to get, get frustrated, she said, they were bringing her in. I didn't know she was in such pain that she had to calculate every step. And she had to moonwalk into the... No, like literally, like this. It was easier. And so she sat down and she says, first, I want to tell you something. I've met you before. I said, okay. I said, how? I said, after I read that book, she was about to have a procedure where they were going to remove the leg. Because of something that was not in order. Let's just use scoliosis. You know those terms they use. Or it was a tumor or something. Just something in the bone. So they wanted to remove the leg. And apparently, she claimed, I walked to the hospital. Walked straight to her. We had never met, by the way. And touched the leg and walked out. And when the doctor came in, that part which was supposed to be in order, or else remove the leg, was in order. And so later on, we met and God began to do things. Now, if I must mention, if you want an increase in these manifestations, usually manifestations follow what you believe, they follow what you believe, how you believe. And all those things. 
So meaning, the way I've opened up your minds to this kind of thing, you should have an expectation that you'll be hearing of this kind of thing. I hope you're hearing my point. Praise God. Let people have good dreams about you. You know what I mean? Don't you want that? Where someone comes and says, I don't know you, but I dreamt of you and you were instructing me. And the instruction you gave me was A, B, C, D. And when I followed that instruction, this and this and this happened in my life. God wants to use us mightily. Praise God. Just make sure your life is in order. So the you in the dream and the one in real life. <laughs> they shouldn't make a discrepancy. Eh? Final question. Who here of themselves preaching the word? Raise your hand. Like you've dreamt or you've had a vision while you're preaching the word. Okay. Who's ever had a vision or something like that where you're working miracles? What about where you're casting out devils? Okay. No, I'm not saying it's a measure of spirituality, by the way. I'm just asking. In case you wanted to know, I've only had like four of those in my life. I've rarely had a dream. Rarely. Rarely. And usually if I have one, maybe it's like a new level being announced or something like that. Or maybe I'm being shown something that will happen. For example, I... I Let's go to the scriptures. I was going to tell you two that I saw. That I've never forgotten. There's one that I saw. Of, um, remember that boy, uh, when the one who had come with 40 years death? I had dreamt of that years before. Years before I dreamt. And there's one that I dreamt of that I've not seen yet. I dreamt of a limb growing out from here, all the way down in full sight. That's what I'm expecting. And there's another one, which is not for our ears right now. And by the way, look forward to the testimony this Sunday. There's a crazy one that we'll be sharing this Sunday. It's crazy. So now, the secret to all these things is in the Word of God. And so like I mentioned, the word of God assures us of answered prayer. And the word of God is prophecy over our lives. Today there is one I wanted to emphasize. That we must have reverence for God's word. I can't overemphasize this. We must have reverence. We must have reverence. We must revere the words of God. And since we've got a lot of students, I'll give you an example from um, a school perspective. Who's ever been in a position where you've got an exam in two weeks or something like that? And the lecturer comes to the front and says, what are you teaching in the exam? What happens to you? Everything. Everything about you pays attention. If you are sleepy, you wake up. I don't know if you're getting my point. Especially if you know that that lecturer is a hard man. A hard man. Who rips where he did not so. <laughs> I hope you're getting what I'm trying to say. There's a way you reverence his words. And here's the thing. If your lecturer came today and he told you um, inflation, more money chasing few goods. When I was in uh, third year, I got to have, I, I got to do developmental economics. So I was with the economist in that class. I think I was one of the only people from D. And when they asked what inflation was, I answered that. They laughed at me. I'm telling you, they laughed. They were like, "Are you in grade seven? Now, imagine your lecturer has told you that's the definition of inflation. And Google gives you another one. Five other people give you 15 reasons why it's another one. But your lecturer is the one preparing your exam and is the one marking it. You might want to listen to what 
there are sins. I don't know if you're getting my... I, I would rather pay attention to the one who's going to judge me. To the one who's going, who I'm going to stand before and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. There's a certain level of reverence that we need to give to God's word. And we won't be able to see certain manifestations and even certain depth revelation unless we reverence God's word a certain way. Praise God. And I want to give us an example. I had a dream once. Hey. Praise God. I had a dream once. And in that dream, I was teaching from Hebrews 4. No, chapter 11. And I was sharing and I was sharing and I was sharing. And I reached a part, I think the part Abel. And I was sharing even stuff I don't know. And before I could go far, people got distracted. Someone wanted to check on this. Another one wanted to check on this. Someone wanted to check on that. Another person just suddenly felt like going to the bathroom. I don't know, they couldn't go to the bathroom area. <laughs> Another one just suddenly had to take a certain phone call. Another one walked from that side to the other side. And the dream I stood and kept quiet. And then I heard God say, if the people can pay attention, I will release higher dimensions of revelation. If the people can pay attention. The moment I heard that, I started getting offended. I'll be frank with you. I do. Sorry. My face just doesn't have the grace to show it. Yet deep in the word, and someone stands up and walks out all the way from that side to the other side. And there is no important reason. And you can tell from the face that there is no important reason. And sometimes someone even walks there and say, Hello? Now, I want you to imagine I'm sharing the word of and I said, hold on just a minute. Um, there's just somebody calling. Let me just greet them. I'll be back. Eh? And I get my phone and walk out. What would you think? You think I don't respect you? Do you know what happens when the book has been read? Do you know that when the word has been shared, there are angels in this place? Do you know that they take notice? And I can show you from the scriptures. I'll show you. Hey! Praise God. Reverence for the word. Nehemiah chapter number 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. Like we hear it. Let's go. And we'll read a few verses. Eh? Now, in this period of time, the word of God was rare. But look at how precious it was. The Bible says, now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they taught Ezra the scribe, you know what a scribe was? The people who would take record. To bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Next verse. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women. And all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Let's continue. Then he read from it. He read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate. From morning until midday. Six hour sermon. No explanations. No jokes. No projectors. He read from it from morning until midday. Before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. Next verse. And then in case you're wondering where did these setups come from. Where we can preach like this. So Ezra describes stood on a platform. Of wood 
which they had made for the purpose. So it was a stage. And then in case you're wondering how come sometimes people have protocol and all the, And beside him at his right hand stood <laughs> Sometimes people don't read the Bible, do they? The guy was reading the word and beside him, I won't even read all those names. Praise God. Beside him stood Jangu, Ernest, who else was there? Kasanda, okay fine. All those names. Next verse. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was standing above all the people. So this was a stage, right? And when he opened it, all the people stood up. From 6 to 12. They were all upstanding. As the word of God was being shared. Now. I'm not going to be zealous and now say, oh, from today. <laughs> Reason being, others wouldn't be able to see on the projectors for several reasons. So now, I'm not going to do that, but please, in your heart, I hope you stand up. But if somebody seeing the amount of reverence, the amount of attention, and I want you to see what, what this breaks into, verse 6. You'll find a verse that you've always read, but maybe you never knew the context. Or, not even read, you've always heard about it. Because there's verses we hear about, no idea where they are. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen! Amen! So it didn't start now. So there's nothing wrong with saying Amen when we bless the sermons. And then said, Amen, Amen, wow, lifted up their hands. Hey. Hey. So if you hear your word, what do you do? Amen. Woo! Praise God. And what happened? They bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Some of these things, you should just try them. I don't even get my point. Oh, you've been a believer. One year, two years. You've never just closed the door. Just put your face down. Do that. I don't forget. Lie down on the floor. It's important to do that. It's one of the acts of worship. Let's continue. Now what happened? And then all the guys helped the people to understand the law. So there are people who are helping us understand. That's why we appoint leaders. And the people what happened next? So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God and they gave the sense and they helped them to understand reading. So we must take up the ministry even of helping others understand. It wasn't Ezra who was helping everybody else understand. In case you didn't know, that's why we have the cell groups. That's why we've got foundation class. That's why we've got establishment class. That's why in the church we've set up systems of mentorship. It's to help everyone understand. Because not everyone will understand on the same level when Ezra is reading from the pulpit. Aha, uh-huh. let's go on. And Nehemiah who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people say to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. So meaning, what's supposed to receive the word of God? How you have to receive it. Next verse. What does he tell them? Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. Wait. Wait. Guys, I'm not yet done with the verse. <laughs> I've got a feeling this side supper. And it says, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Then it says, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And <laughs> haven't you noticed after a powerful service, you just feel like going for a meal? I, 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 <laughs> 
Am I the only one? <laughs> Apart from that, you also feel like buying a meal for somebody else who may not have it. Eh? Why haven't I heard a big amen there? But, but the word of God ought to be celebrated. The word of God ought to be praised. We ought to receive the word of God with reverence and with joy. Hey! If you've read the book of Esther, the first time that the letter from the king was read, they mourned. But the second time, the second letter, the, the second testament, I don't know if you're getting my point. The new test, when the gospel was read to them, because it was now good news, how did they receive it? They rejoiced. That's why wherever Jesus used to go, it would be crazy. You know that. There's a reason they couldn't arrest him during the day. They would have been beaten. He was, where Jesus used to go, it was crazy. Don't you remember when he was walking in and everyone started getting palm trees and going, and there was, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Pharisees didn't try to go stop them. They came to Jesus and said, stop your disciples. Did you hear what he replied? He said, if I stop them, go to raise stones. The day I read that, I didn't want to be replaced by a stone. <laughs> Keep not praising. You'll be amazed one day. you find a stone in a Casio audition. <laughs> hey! I'm telling you, I think these guys, if they look at the opportunity we have to hear the word of God now, they will be amazed that someone can't pay attention for one hour. They would be amazed. They would be amazed. Um, I was reading a book called The Heavenly Man. I've forgotten the name of that man. Shema, what's his name? Who? Brother who or Lu? Okay, brother you. Brother something. Certain gentleman. And if you had to read his testimony. Hey! I sat and asked myself, what am I doing with the gospel? There is a preacher that had come to preach to them and so he had heard about God. And so he was looking for Jesus. He went on a fast for I don't know how many days believing God for a Bible. Bibles were illegal in that area. God. And then one day he had a dream that someone brought him a Bible. Yeah, Brother Yan. Thank you. He had a dream that someone brought him a Bible. And it happened exactly like that. He said reading the Bible and he would memorize it. Then he had a dream that some people came to call him from a certain village to preach the word to them. And it happened like that. They had a divine instruction. Go call him. And he said how he used to preach then is, and so he was shocked when he was introduced to the other side of life. Because how he would preach then is this. Those guys knew that an opportunity to hear the word of God was so rare. So if they have you, they can keep you a 24-hour sermon. If you had to preach them 30 minutes, they'll say, what, that's all? Tell us more, want to hear the word of God. And so for him, he had memorized the entire book of Matthew and other books of the Bible. He would memorize them. So when he's invited to preach, because they were not traveling with Bibles, he would go and he would say, Matthew chapter 1, and then he would narrate Matthew 1 for them. Then he would narrate Matthew 2 for them. Then he would narrate Matthew 3 for them. And then they asked for more. So he would go back, memorize, and then come back, Matthew. And that's why one of the things that followed is some of the miracles those guys saw, I've never heard of. If you are to check the Chinese records right now, it is recorded that he was arrested, he was put in the maximum prison. And it is recorded that till now, it's on the records. That they don't know how he escaped. And it's on the records. It's literally on the records. That no one helped him. They did their thorough investigation. And escaped. By then he was crippled because he had fallen off the place. And then he was being mocked. He was being laughed at. Where is your God now? And then one day he hears the Holy Spirit speak to him and say, 
stand up and go. He stood up and just walked out. And they were all just leaving him. And the man walked out, walked out, walked out, went to an airport to Myanmar, Germany. That's where he lives now. How, how to escape China, I don't know. <laughs> but what touched me the most was the reverence for God. And when he was asked what difference has he noticed with the church, the the biggest difference he notices there's very little reverence for the word. Like the word is just a by the way. Praise God. Let me share with you one more portion of scripture. In being reverence, reverent to God's word, one of the things I must share with you is don't let the word of God offend you. Okay? You know, I've mentioned so many points in one. In being reverent to God's word, I've told you to pay attention, right? I've told you to be joyful. Don't let it offend you. Don't let the word of God offend you. Not every teaching is at the same level. And sometimes we are very selective with what we like from the word of God. We are very selective. We don't like it when the word of God or when the pastor who's preaching gets all up in our business. Like, is it necessary? Does he have to say such things? Can't he just encourage us? Can't he just tell us, take it and you go far? Praise God. Haven't you noticed? Sometimes people don't like it when you get all up in their business. And then the word of God searches. It searches the hearts of men. Do you know how many times I've been preaching and then the same one has changed? Do you know what the word of God does? You find the word of God may be searching, searching, searching. And then communicate and say, uh-uh. Take this direction. Crack this as a joke. Can't you? For another person, that's a reality. Praise God. There was one service. I didn't know why I mentioned that. I think you guys remember it was in here. I was, I just went to a certain section and I said, saying no. And I mentioned a certain name of a gentleman. And I moved on and continued preaching. And I think I said that twice. I received a message saying, like the person was in awe and they were in fear. And I asked, what's the situation? And they explained that there's a certain guy they had been entertaining. And they had made an arrangement to do something that's wrong. And so I went in the section and mentioned the guy's name. And said no. And moved on and continued preaching. And the person was great. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> and you know what such things do they bring what the bible calls great spread in the church there is a part in the scriptures where the bible says that there are people who got knocked out like they died in church Ananias and they died in church in the dispensation of grace <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. And you know how some of us don't believe in like a watered down Christianity? No, not going to raise anyone lukewarm. No, no. So if you come here, I thank God for you. Um. I want us to see this. The word of God, I, I just want you to understand this part. I'll just end on this part, but I, I want us to understand this. The word of God can be very offensive to people. The word of God can be offensive. It's got an offensive side. I can show you from the scriptures, Romans chapter number 9. This is what the Bible says about Jesus. Romans 9 and verse 33. The Bible says that Uh, 33, please. The Bible says, Behold, 
Is it that we don't have Romans 9.33? Okay. There have been days where I've given them a verse which didn't exist, so <laughs> I was counter-checking. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone, a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him shall be put. That's what the Bible says about Jesus. In a rock. So imagine when we are worshipping him and saying, Oh, rock of ages, glory one. One of his titles is also Rock of Offense. He's a Rock of Offense. And that's why even a pastor is one of the most offensive figures. Haven't you seen what the Apostle Paul said? Saying to some who are literally a sweet aroma, to others who are a bad stench. Matthew 11, verse 6. Matthew chapter number 11, and verse 6. This is Jesus speaking. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. That's the Lord Jesus. John chapter number 6. Let's have a more literal example. And go to somewhere, verse 40. John 6, it's actually very long, so I want to just speak a few verses, give me a second. So in the book of John chapter 6, what had happened is, um, maybe let's go a bit further back, I just want us to see something. John 6, let's look at verse 2. Verse 5. I can teach a lot on this. John 6, let's look at verse 5. If I was teaching on leadership, this is one of the scriptures I would use. I'll tell you why. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy the bread that these may eat? If I was teaching on leadership, I would say, Possibility thinking. There was never any negative talk. They never sat down and said, yeah, what will we do? That was never Jesus' mindset. Also shows you that they were broke ministry. Let's go on. Verse 6. But he said this to test them. For himself knew what he would do. Uh-huh. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a uh-huh. And one of his disciples, Simon's brother, said to him, let's go on. There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what I so and you know if I was teaching on leadership, you know what I would share there, right? I would share that for this boy, having a meal that there was not a miracle. In short, the more prepared you are, the higher your standard of miracles. For him, a meal was not a miracle. He was prepared. So food wasn't a miracle. For him, the miracle was the food being divided among everyone. So keep not investing in yourself, and everything will be a miracle. You must come to a place where certain things that were a miracle before must become normal. And then you can push for a higher standard because God always does exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or Let's go on. Verse, yes, you can say amen. <laughs> Verse 10. So Jesus said, people sit down. Now there was so much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about seven. What can we see from this if I was teaching on leadership? You can see that uh, before, it's okay to administrate and put everything in order because it creates a platform for the supernatural. Let's go on. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he can teach on thanksgiving, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. Yay! Can I tell you what I can teach from that? I can teach that, number one, what if there was somebody else who had brought juice and another person who had chicken? There would have been more to multiply. Because multiplying zero is zero. Multiplication. You must bring something to the table. 
And then it's also interesting that the disciples were not questioning him when he was giving them. They were just giving, giving, giving. And they gave as much as the people wanted. There's a place of desire which can increase multiplication. Let's continue. And so when he had and so when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. So meaning the fact that you're enjoying abundance does not mean you should become wasteful. Right? The fact that we've won a hundred souls and we've registered them does not mean we'll be excited about that one person that we didn't register who came. Or not wasteful. Just go on. So they gathered them up, but the story here is that he fed the 5,000. I want us to see the result of what happens when you feed people. Praise God. And so, verse 15, this is the result of feeding people. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come to him and take him by force to make him king, that's the result. He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. It's one of the easiest ways to win people over, not so. Although those who come like that also go, go like that to the next bidder. Isn't this a strategy a number of people use even in election period? Let's be honest, we're just calling a spade a spade. Eh? Yeah. But nevertheless, I want us to continue. He walked on water. Verse. There's a verse I want us to see. Verse uh, 25. The people now are looking for him. Verse 25. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? 26. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I said to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were, and were filled. Next verse. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. God the Father has set his seal on him. This is another side that uh, you must know. Even when you're coming in a conversation like this one, come for the right reasons. Praise God. I know. Come to the office and say, Pastor, I'll just be honest with you. When I came to the like, girl has been admiring. <laughs> and then she kept posting flyers and she never used to reply to any message unless I, until the day I asked. Uh, what time is your service? How is she reply? No, greetings, my brother. <laughs> so if you came that way, please. Hallelujah. <laughs> I was going to say something else, but it's okay. So if you came that way, Praise God. Kindly adjust. You have now come to Mount Zion. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> Verse 28. And then they say to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? So if you want to work miracles, what do you do? This is the work of God, that you be in him whom he sent. Uh-huh. Therefore they say to him, what sign would you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What? What work would you do? What? After you have eaten. Next verse. Our fa- and then they say, Our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Next verse. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Notice the teaching is getting deeper. It's going from milk to meat. Uh huh. Let's go on. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Uh huh. Then they say to him, Lord, give us this bread. Always. I'm sure someone was thinking, this bread, obviously. The flavors. Next verse. 
And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Hey! And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Hey! Listen, there are certain, somebody may, I'm sure somebody has now got a question. Just on this, I need to pause on this. I'm saying this because um, someone will say, Apostle, the other week, Someone was telling us, be hungry for the things of God. Number the scripture you read for us. <laughs> he that comes to me shall never hunger. I want you to notice something. Hunger is used in two ways. There is one way that's referring to desire. Like you desire, you want. You're hungry, you want it. And then there is hunger which is as a result of lacking. Like you don't have it. So you are looking for what you don't have. There is a difference. And then on the other hand, the Bible also tells us what we are to be hungry for and what's already been filled. We'll need a teaching on that day. And I'll explain. Maybe I can explain that during the establishment class. So if I'm desiring for more, I'm not saying I don't have. Listen, the fact that I have the ocean with me doesn't mean I can't desire to reach deeper in the ocean. And the interesting thing is that I don't need to get dry to go deeper. I can go from deep to deep, from glory to glory. You don't need to have another dry day in your life. Let's go on. But one thing I'm glad about, I'll never go about looking for a God. I'll never go about looking for for a Messiah. That, That one has been filled. I'll never hunger for that. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. Now let's go all the way down and see what happened. So you know they keep they kept chatting and talking and talking and he says I'm the bread of life. And then verse 41 this is what happened. Then the Jews complained about him. The same guy they wanted to make their king. Give me the amplifier. We have it. Then the Jews murmured and found fault with and grumbled about Jesus. Because he said, I myself am the bread that came down from heaven. And what happened next? Jesus answered. And you know they talked. Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can you say I've come down from heaven? How come they didn't remember that when he was feeding them? Now, I want us to go all the way down to verse 52. For almost any, I just want to see something. Sometimes I just prefer reading you long scriptures, long verses. It's for you sometimes with just one verse. Ezra. For today, if you ever complain, Ezra. Then the Jews angrily contended with one another, saying, How is he able to give us his flesh to eat? Verse 55. 54. Ah, 54. Let's go to 54. He who feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has possessed now eternal life. And I will raise him up from the dead on the last day. I want you to understand how these things are not casual. Imagine, Jesus is literally seated with his disciples one day and says, here is my flesh. Eat. You know what happens when I I take communion? We're literally eating the flesh of Jesus. Here is my flesh. Eat. Here is my blood. Drink. That's a hard teaching. And in case you didn't know, there are we can go deeper in the scriptures and discover that some teachings are not as straightforward or nice-ish as you think. Praise God. Verse 60. This is what happened. When his disciples heard this, 
many of them said, this is a hard and difficult and strange saying. An offensive and unbearable message. Who can stand to hear it? Who can be, expend, can be expected to, to listen to such teaching? Next verse. But Jesus, knowing within himself that his disciples were complaining and protesting and grumbling about it, said to them, Is this a stumbling block and an offense to you? Does this upset and displease you? Next verse. What then will be your reaction if you should see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? In short, how much more if we go deeper? Praise the Lord. And verse 66. After this, many of his disciples drew back and returned to their old associations and no longer accompanied him. These Jesus didn't beg for. These Jesus didn't go look for them like the lost coin. He simply turned and said the following. The next verse. So he said to the twelve, Ah, what about you? Are you also going? Like, are you going to follow them? And what did Peter reply? Peter answered, Lord, where shall we go? You have the words of life. You have the words that bring life. You have the words that are literally life. That's what Peter answered. How far are you willing to go with this message? Is there anyone here who's ever been on? I remember the first time I heard the message of righteousness. I didn't believe it. Because I was very comfortable with knowing that we were, I don't know, I don't know how it worked out in my mind, but I was very comfortable with knowing that we were all sinners. And that when you're born again, you're a sinner saved by grace. That was, how can grace save you and you remain a sinner? There are certain verses I was comfortable with. Let me give you an example of a verse I was very comfortable with. 1 John 1.8. You can remove the amplified. I just want to show you something very quick. 1 John 1.8. I was very comfortable with this verse. I would confess it every day. Give me 1 John 1.8. Um, you can remove the amplified for now. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. I don't know if you're getting my point. Like I read that, and interestingly, whoever taught me didn't like. I, I didn't get to read everything. I didn't get. To, I didn't understand how John was building from chapter to chapter, and the audience. You observe a difference in the way he was addressing the audiences. So I read that First John one eight, and I was very comfortable. Then I read First John two one, and then this is what it says. I'm just showing you how you know, it can build. First John two one. Because 1 John 1 8 says, uh, if we say we've got no, if we say that we do not sin, or we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. Then verse 9 says, but if we confess, he is faithful to forgive, but we forget that he doesn't just forgive, he cleanses. So after the cleansing, what takes place? It's 1 John 2 1. 1 John 2 1 says, my little children, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. But then at least, but then he gives, he says, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate. The Father, Jesus Christ, the right. Then by the time he's reaching chapter 3, he builds. Look at what he says in chapter 3, verse 7. He says something very interesting in verse 7. No, I'm ending here. I know it's been six hours already. He says, little children, let no one deceive you. He who says righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. In short, he's saying, if there is any human being who thinks there is no one who is righteous, they are deceived. Every person that you see, no, everyone has got that catastrophic. No, 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 that's not true. He's actually saying, he who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Verse 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The first day I read that, I was disturbed. <laughs> hey! I was disturbed. And no, it's, not, it's one thing to hear it from a preacher, another thing to see it in the scriptures. 
Then I was comforted, of course, when I read, for this reason the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So look, God doesn't just come to forgive your sin. He destroys the works of the devil. He's able to destroy addictions, to destroy strongholds. That's why the word of God comes with power. He destroys, he, to destroy is to make it useless, to bring it to nothing. That's what he does. Which brings us to the next verse. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Do you see that word there, cannot? Do you know what it means when it says cannot? It's like saying when there is a, a cat, a cat cannot back. In short, the cat just doesn't have the nature to back. It's just not there. Do you see what I do you now understand what the disciples went through? The more they went further and they said I'm the bread of life. <laughs> do, do, do you see what I'm talking about? Do you know where the difference comes in? When we start reaching when we are in the early parts of the gospel, it's more of Look, despite everything about you, despite what you're doing, where you were yesterday, and all those things, he still loves you, and because he loves you, he has forgiven you. As you start progressing, he starts putting responsibility on you to steward this that you've been given. Verse 10 tells us, that's how we know who the children of God are and the children of the devil, even those who don't love their brethren. So why are such teachings important? They bring about a sense of responsibility. They bring about a sense of weight. That's not right. They bring about a sense where you're able to tell if you're living against your nature. It's like me coming here and saying, uh, if somebody is 15 years old, then they will not... Trying to use a better example. Let me use another example. <laughs> okay, let me use a better. Let me use a, that example was very strong. It's like me coming up here and saying, "Okay, let me put it like this." At a certain stage, if a baby doesn't show signs of development and growth, they'll be concerned. Because they will say, how come, as at the age of two, they should do this. As at the age of three, they should be able to talk. As at the age of four, they should be able to do this. And it's the same with our lives in the spirit. That's why it's called being born again. You're literally born into something. There must be development. And to be honest, there must come a place where the sin issue is not a big deal for you. Don't forget, repentance from dead works is the foundation of people. According to Hebrews 6. As a matter of fact, it's even the first one. And that's why if there's something that needs to be dealt with, I'll be in the office tomorrow. <laughs> Praise God. What's been my point of this? My point is, don't let the word of God offend you. Don't let the word of God offend you. And especially when you understand that the moment you hear the word, the word of God is potent. It comes with power. It makes you what it talks about. It builds you up. And gives you an inheritance. It gives you a portion. So in short, if First John 3 verse 9 is a verse that has not been a reality in your life. Because look, you've gotten saved, but that's just not how you're living. So if First John 3 verse 9 has not been the reality in your life, then what do you do? You meditate on it, and you study further on it. And if there's need for counseling and all those things, you go for those things. Why? Because the word of God builds you up. And then gives you an inheritance among those who have been talked about in First John 3 verse 9. It gives you your portion in that. Ladies and gentlemen, we must, I thought this would take five minutes. We must reverence the word. How many of us have been blessed? Hey! Oh, wow. What a service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777 If you are unable to call, 
You can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.